You got to keep the big picture that, hey, we're changing the world. We're changing the world. If you want to be taken seriously, you have to be consistent. We're speaking with people that are sending a pulse to their industry. Welcome to Electric People. We have Dave Madsen on the show. Check out Tim Ballard. Jeff Curl. Sheckler. Kenzie Watts. The League presents Electric People. We are back with another episode of Electric People. And in front of me is one of my favorite electric people. Southern California director. Mm -hmm. One of the DMs of the largest... West Coast office, just broke a West Coast sales record this last quarter, my friend and yours, Mr. Taylor Turnbull. What's up, Taylor? What's up, guys? It's good to be here. Good to have you here, dude. You look very handsome today. (laughs) Thanks, man. We are just talking before this started that Taylor got a very nice haircut and surprised both of us. He did. I see Ty most days, and I surprised him because my hair, I haven't cut my hair in like five months, probably. That's the same haircut I've seen for eight years. I didn't surprise you. I, surpri- I surprised you because I've lost a lot of weight. Yes. So that was surprising. Taylor goes through extreme measures to make sure that he surprises <laughs> yeah. Everything people. I do in life is extreme, man. Hey, That's man. exactly right. <laughs> well, let's jump into it, man. I think there's a lot of people that um, have joined the company uh, after um, some of your earlier roles and might not know. You've never had a chance to tell your full story of how you got started with the company. You've been here longer than I have. Um, and so maybe, maybe start with how you got into solar and what you saw in the direct sales opportunity? Yeah, um, I'll I'll keep it I'll keep it brief. We well, don't um, have to keep it brief. This is your show, buddy. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so yeah, uh, so my other I guess kind of your partner now in the long hair business, Paul Dixon, who everybody <laughs> sees all the time on you As know if League you TV. My partner in the long hair business, like forty-five I was, minutes ago. I was. It was it was literally about forty-five minutes ago. Yeah. Before I made the drive up here. Um, but Paul and I had lived together in, um, we met actually in Africa, in Ghana, in West Africa, <clears throat> serving a, a, a church service mission. And uh, well, while we were over there, we just became like quickly kind of best friends. Um, we were going through hard stuff. That was a hard place to live. Um, and we were just kind of each other's like lifeline over there. So we developed like a really deep friendship and bond. And so um, he came back a couple months before me, and I ended up kind of hooking him up with my high school buddies who were going to school uh, in Utah in Provo. And so he was living with them. I came back, and we were living together. We're both super ambitious. Our uh, The guy who was over our mission um, that, that was like the leader of all the young people and kind of making sure they were doing what they're supposed to do, um, his name's Bob Gay, and he was uh, he's a billionaire. Um, super successful. He was with Mitt Romney um, when they founded Bain Capital. So, uh, and then he became when Mitt left to do the Olympics and politics and stuff. He he ran Bain Capital, and uh, we just we learned. We were his personal assistants for a while together, and we learned so much from him. And so when we got back, we kind of had that same like desire to be, uh, you know, to be big businessman or whatever, make a big impact in the world. And so, you know, we're sitting there, we had nothing. We literally had nothing. And we were sitting there just like tossing around ideas to each other. And we were thinking like we could wash windows, we could like detail big cars. Yeah, big businessmen <laughs> washing stuff. windows. Yeah. Yeah. All right, what do you want to we're do? Just, <laughs> wash windows or wash cars? Hey, dude, there's lots of cars, there's lots of windows. The margins on the window washing. <laughs> yeah. It's soap and water, dude. We could just do that a million times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what we were thinking, and then, um, and then my dad actually knew this guy, and uh, and he had approached my dad about um, investing in this company that he had purchased from some guys that I, I, it just wasn't it wasn't doing that great, and um, and this guy was a pharmaceutical sales guy, so he didn't have a lot of time to actually like, run this company, which I don't know why he bought it. It was he got somehow tricked into this investment, and then we got tricked into kind of doing the same thing. So. Double trick. Yeah, double trick, dude. We were deep in the trickery at this point. Mm. We'd been bamboozled. It's like the old maid. I it's like, like the <laughs> 80s band, Deep Trick. Deep trick. <laughs> really? Deep Trick yeah. is an 80s band. Yeah, I know. Okay. I'm just saying. Hey, we should, <laughs> deep Trick be should have been. That's, that was a good name. Yeah, I like it. So we... Uh, I love it, the idea of whoever sold this business being like, I got rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they totally did. There's a lot kids. of stories down that path I could go down. But, um, but anyway, what happened was we... My dad said, hey this guy could use your help running some of these projects. They're small projects. You could do them in the summer when you're not going to school. And at the time, I was fully planning, 100% sure that I was going to be a doctor. So that was 
completely the direction that I was heading in. And, but I felt, I felt this, I always felt this pull into business. Like I always felt that for some reason. And so I was studying neuroscience at BYU. Paul was at BYU studying um, public relations, I think. And uh, we, we went to this guy and we said, hey, we will go and do these projects. I actually went out and worked for this guy and did one of the projects in Victorville, California, actually, middle of summer, mm. which Victorville in the middle nice of summer is horrible. I was exchanging water meters out of the ground. So I was picking up like people's water meters out in their sidewalks, pulling the, the meter lids off, sticking my hands down in there and actually like having to take their, their meters off, you know? Is that a better way to do that? Uh, they're, they're, you there's don't really your not. hands in the water nah, meter. Nah, hey, look, this pipe's going into your house, so there's no other yeah. way than to take the meter off to put a new one on. So we're like shutting people's water off. We had presented ourselves as like professionals, but in reality, I was like 21 years old in my Honda Civic, you know, like throwing water meters through the back window into a <laughs> box that I had in there. It was a dirty job, and there were like black widows yeah. in all the boxes, literally black widows in like every box that I opened up. I found crazy stuff in there, like people's drug stashes were in there. Kids were hiding stuff from their parents in those in meter, water meter in the water meter because no one ever looks in yeah, there, it's right? Good it's a good place to you hide stick stuff. Your hands in there. Yeah, and I got to stick my hands in there. I had to do all this stuff. So anyway, we went to the guy after and we said, "Hey, we we would we'd like to do this, but we want to be your partners." And he said, "Okay, if you guys, if you can raise a hundred thousand dollars to." buy me out and also put working capital into the company, then I'll give you guys 50% of the company. We're like, yeah, I mean, sounds fair, right? We each had like $50 in our bank account, right? So we're like, yeah, we can, we can probably get $100,000. And, and we actually did. We actually were able to raise $100,000, purchase this company. And, uh, and then we, we ran it while we went to school. So what I, what I realized is we had... Paul and I both had pretty aggressive goals for our lives. And we had written the goals down and we were intentional about the goals. And this things just kind of opened up for us. Like we, we won these small little jobs in Utah. And because of these small jobs, we ended up winning this Questar gas job in Utah. It was, it was a huge job, 900,000 meters that we had to change for, uh, for Questar Gas Company. And so um, we had to put a team together. We, we had literally never done a job like this before. And so we had to put a team together to go fulfill on this job. 900,000. Yeah, hey, 900,000 meters. We were <laughs> way over our ski. We had no idea. And we actually... How we, long does it take to do one? <clears throat> well, we had a guy named Taylor Fernelius. Still remember this guy. He, he was, was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> the fern. It took, it took most guys like 10 minutes, like my little brother who did it. It was like 10 minutes for him. This Taylor Fernelius guy was doing him like 30 seconds. He was <laughs> popping these things off, throwing them back. It was crazy. He's like the industry leader. I yeah. Leader I want like, yeah. to go shadow him for a Dude, day. Dude, I, I wanted to go shadow him for a day too, but he was, he's like, he didn't want anyone working with him. Luckily, we never, we didn't have any kind of like quality assurance, of course, because we just assumed everyone was going to do their jobs. They had to change these gas meter registers and then put them back on and program them. Well, we had this one kid named Chance, um, and he, he figured out that he could not do any work and just program the things on to make it look like he'd done them. So he did that for like 2,000 of these, these <laughs> meters, okay? 2,000 of them he went and did this for. <laughs> so we finally figured it out because... It was like we, we, we sent someone to go spot check these and they were like, hey, these are the old registers still. And we looked at them and we're like, okay, how would he have done that? So we looked at the timestamps and it was like every 10 seconds he was changing these things out. And we're like, oh, okay, like there's something wrong here. And so... Oh, you could just slap his mouth. Yeah, Paul knew, Paul's dad knew this kid's dad. So we called his dad and told him what had happened. And his dad was like this super principled guy and he made him pay us all the money back and go do all that work for free for us. And so it was, it ended up, you know, it was like one of the first like real lessons that I learned in business was, you know, was that kind of lessons of doing things right the first time. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, we, we ended up, you know, getting kind of contracts all over the country because of this Questar contract. And uh, long story short, we, 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 one Entrepreneur of the Year at BYU, which was a really cool thing, the Student Entrepreneur of the Year thing for the whole state of Utah. 
Um, we first wanted a BYU, then we wanted for the state of Utah, and that propelled us. All of a sudden, private equity companies were reaching out to us saying, hey, we'd love to invest in your company. Because people like that really are investing in, more in the person, right? Yeah, like they're looking the at the people. Yeah. They're looking at what they feel like you can execute on. You got a on. cute little business, but they, they see yeah. two hustlers that are on their A game. That's exactly yeah. right. That's what they saw. And so they didn't even really understand the business or see, but they just knew, hey, if we bring these two guys on, we can coach them. <clears throat> we ended up being the first business investment that a company called Peak Capital has, has had ever done. And since then, at the time, they were just real estate investors. And since then, they've they've exploded with their um, with Peak Ventures is what it's called. So they just you know now their Peak Ventures just invest in in businesses. So Podium is one of the companies that that they invested in. Mm. And so when they were first starting out, because they didn't have any track record in doing that, they would send all their guys to us after we had exited and sold our company to Vivint. Um, they would send all their guys. So we met with, Paul and I met with the two Podium guys when they were back when the, they were like starving yeah, students with just an idea. Yeah. And we were like, yeah, Peak's awesome. You know, follow what these guys tell you to do. And now they're, you know, they're like, Drinking. yeah, I think they're valued at like 800 million or something right now. So, uh, so pretty cool. Anyway, so we, yeah, we, we ended up, we had this kind of <clears throat> idea of having strategic partnerships with companies that had in-home displays so they could, take the energy consumption from their electric meter and display that in the home. And we brought it, we met with Todd Santiago, who was the CEO of Tugic at the time. Now he's the chief sales officer at Vivint, Vivint Inc. And uh, we had breakfast with him. And that later that day, Alex Dunn called us and said, hey, um, I want to meet with you guys. So we met, went and met with Alex that day and he's like, hey, we want to buy your company. And we were like, sweet like that sounds great but we you know we're like trying to be stoic so we're just sitting there like it's our chance <laughs> to we're, gonna, it. we're gonna have to uh that sounds great alex yeah, um, we need some time to think about this we'll talk to and, our people uh, have our people yeah. run the numbers <laughs> yeah well it's funny because it kind of took us back to this time where when we'd call these cities paul and i would call these see cities we both just wore different hats right we need we did whatever the, the business needed at that time so Paul, you know Paul's voice. My voice, I sound like a young person. Paul sounds like a 50-year-old man, right? And he, he always has. Since the first time I met him, he opened his mouth. I was like, Who, who's that guy? It sounds like a 50-year-old guy, right? And, um, and so I would, I would do the sales calls. And then they'd be like, well, can I talk to someone in your, like in your tech department? Or can I talk to someone in your IT department? Whenever they would ask us that, we'd be like, yeah, let please hold. And it was literally Paul and I sitting in Paul's like apartment, Courtney's upstairs, you know, like <laughs> in her, in her room or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, hold, I'll transfer you. I like put it on mute. Then I like hand the phone to Paul, <laughs> you know, and he's like, Hey, this is Paul with operations or whatever, you know, like we were so tiny and lean that that's what we had to do. Right. Mm -hmm. We, we just kind of had to, we called it building the plane while we flew it. Right. And you kind of have to do that. Um, if you want to be successful, especially when you're young, because you don't have a track record yet, right? And that's what people go to school for a long time for to invest in is like, let me get this. I have to build my story. I have to build my resume. Um, but in reality, like, it, it really is just the story that you tell, right? The brand that you build on your own. So, yeah. So the way that we got into, we, we sold our company to Vivint. Um, we started Vivint Solar. I think it was like six months later is when Vivint Solar started. They invited us into that because we were we were Vivint Energy at the time, which we should have never changed that name. It was an awesome name, right? Vivint awesome Energy is a phenomenal. So we have, you probably have some of that stuff, right? I the coats so. that say Vivint Energy on them, dude. Those were the early early days. You have that. That's worth money. Yeah, yeah. Vivint Energy. I've got one in my closet, <laughs> really? dude. An old Vivint Energy jacket. You got to keep and, it in uh, like plastic though. So it doesn't like yeah. mold up in your closet. Yeah. Or for a while I was like, oh, it's not even cool anymore. But now I'm like, oh dude, that's, yeah. that's legit. So it was Vivint Energy and, you know, Todd and Alex knew that there was, there were other verticals like medical and, and energy that were big industries that they wanted to break into. And we just happened to be in the right place at the right time on that one. Um, and so what they did was they, we, we had to start Vivint Solar, obviously, as a separate company for, like, tax purposes and all that stuff. So we got involved in Vivint Solar, and it was kind of the same thing at the beginning. I mean, you remember what it was like. Like, we had one CAD guy, 
We had like one what customer did, service did person. Tongi, um, <clears throat> didn't he go to the guys at Pinnacle first and like pitch them on trying to like get them to like start selling solar and then they mm -hmm. didn't want to do it and then he went to Todd and Alex. So how do you, I mean, I'm sure you have the, the inside scoop on like how all that went down. So it's like Tongi goes to, Tongi Sarah mm -hmm. goes to Todd and Alex. You guys were there already at Vivint, mm -hmm. still kind of managing the meter business, right? Yeah. Or whatever you guys were doing. Mm -hmm. So kind of walk us through how that like meeting happened and yeah, it was funny. And for those of you guys, for those of you guys listening, this is like this is an oral history <laughs> of how Vivint Solar right. started as a company. As I remember way. it, right? As, as I remember as it. you remember it, which uh, which Tongi and Brendan, they're all gone, right? So it's just me and Paul. So how so we remember it this is, is doctrine. This, this is, is facts. At whatever this point. we say, it goes. Uh -huh. <laughs> yep, that's right. So the records were not preserved. So yeah, um, so there was Tyson Peschke was involved. Do you remember? Do you remember Tyson? Was he around? Dude, that's so crazy. Maybe he was, but I don't remember. So Tyson had sold solar for um, for some other company. He went out and did it door to door just to show, because he had done um, alarm sales before. And so he went out and he's like, hey, there's these companies selling solar. And the way he explained it to us is they're renting people's rooftops, right? So they're like renting rooftops. It's really similar to kind of what we're doing on the alarm side, where, but it's just on a bigger scale. So instead of putting you know, two or three grand of equipment with a, a three to five year contract, you're putting 20 to 30 grand with a 20 year contract. And, and you can sell this door to door. And we are like, okay, so Tyson kind of came with that idea and they made the connection to TPG, which is where Tongi was working at the time. And he was their VP over their um, investments in energy and I, energy and I think healthcare too for North America. So that's, so we needed to raise working capital at the beginning and we we went to tpg to raise the working capital they passed on the deal but tongi like fell in love with it and he wanted to be part of it and that's the and then you know todd's like the greatest recruiter of all time so once he got to know todd he wanted to be a part of it they recruited tongi to be the ceo and it was crazy how it worked at the beginning because we had literally we had a whiteboard that tracked all of our customers. And I know we have pictures. I could find a picture of that. I think Paul used to have one like in his office mm -hmm. um, of the whiteboard that we would track. And we had Tyson Peschke and another guy, I can't even remember his name now, but they, they both were the first guys to go out to New Jersey and sell. Ryan yeah, Ryan, Ryan Taji. That's right, yeah. So he and Ryan Taji went out and started to kind of prove this concept. And... Uh, because Taji, I used to work with at Pinnacle way back, mm. and I remember I was selling in Virginia one summer, and he they just opened the warehouse in New Jersey. Oh yeah. And so he was trying to get me to drive up. He's like, "Just come up and come sell, like come check it out, or yeah. whatever." And I'm like, "Dude, you're like out like in left field, man. Like I'm yeah. good, you know." Yeah, totally. And a lot of people, a lot of people had that experience. So there were there were a lot of people who came in ground floor, and you were one of them. You and Jeremy Long um, were ground, and Dan Reed were ground floor guys. There are a lot of stories of guys that came in that were also ground floor, but didn't stick it out long enough to actually see it come to fruition. So they like they had what they knew, which was like alarm cells, right? And uh, and one guy that was he was the first guy out to Hawaii. I won't say his name in case he ever saw this and felt bad about himself, but. He was the first guy to go out to Hawaii. And back then, you remember CAD pay. So because installs took long, we'd pay at CAD. So when you'd get a CAD back, then you'd get some of the pay. It's like 60 bucks a kilowatt. Yeah, it was so tiny. Yeah. It was back when we were getting paid like 100 and... 150 a kilowatt. 150 yeah. kilowatt. And so he went out to Hawaii to open Hawaii. And, uh, and he just, he couldn't see it, right? Like it didn't come fast enough for him. And he left, and then Dan was there, and Dan kind of took over, and, like, it exploded in Hawaii. And it was, like, the greatest thing ever for, for Dan and those guys who, like, stuck it out. So I think it's a, it's a pretty good lesson in not getting too married with, like, your past and what's happened and what you're comfortable with and being able to see an opportunity. And if you can be there at the ground floor, which we're still kind of 
at the ground floor with solar. Like we, we really haven't cracked it yet. Like we're in 20 something states, right? There are so many states we don't even touch yet. With battery technology that's coming out, it will open up a lot more. Like everyone who's listening to this, who's part of the company, especially on the, the sales side, you have so much opportunity that you can't even see yet that's going to open up. Like you are on the ground floor right now in the best vehicle that exists in the industry, right? I like to think that somebody's like <clears throat> got their like eyes set on like Nebraska and it's like the second that thing cracks on me. <laughs> yeah. Right straight into Nebraska. That's how I am with Kentucky. I love Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah, I, sold there for, Kentucky? I sold there for two years. Yeah. I love Lexington. It's like my favorite city. Hey, if anybody's listening who's got their eye on Kentucky, back, yeah, back off. Yeah, it's mine. Adam here wants to go to Kentucky. <laughs> it is mine. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, yeah, so, so it was, you know, the... The funny part was we didn't really know what we didn't know and we didn't have any money. Like Vivint, I think people might think Vivint like spun this company off and gave us a bunch of money. That's not what happened. We had an agreement with them where we had to actually pay them for the services that we used, right? So we could use their marketing team, but we had to pay for that. We could use their legal team, but we had to pay for that stuff. So all those services we had to pay for and we had to figure out a way to come up with capital quickly. So and there were only a handful of us. So we all had to wear a lot of different hats at that time. And you remember like when I flew out to New Jersey or Massachusetts when you were there and like was holding the boom mic, you know, like mm -hmm. to create our first customer testimonials, which we still use Karen the same Lococo, ones. Yeah. Karen LaCocco. Karen LaCocco, most all time viewed. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She had, yeah. And she had a crush on Adam for sure. <laughs> I have a crush on Karen. Let's just put it out there. Yeah. <laughs> Karen was awesome. That was like no, the perfect family. That was like yeah, awesome. Yeah, she's great. Karen and Joe. So I still talk to both Karen and Do Joe. Do you really? Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, their kids big in the spot. So this is my first my first install I ever had. Taylor flew out and like recorded the family. They did like a testimonial or whatever. So, hmm. so if you search Karen LaCoco on YouTube, you'll see it. But um, Yeah, and I met Adam and I'm like, dude, this like, the most handsome person I've met. Like I, I, I was like, he's such a specimen. And I'm like, we got to get this guy like on camera. And we had you, and then was it um, Ramsey, uh, Gentry Ramsey? He was yeah. the other guy. I had side note. I'm gonna brag just for a second. It may have been the best hair day I've had in my entire life. <laughs> I'm sure it was. Like literally, if you go back, thing. yeah, if you go back, like I mean. <laughs> It was just something, man. It yeah, was like, it was. like the stars aligned. God <laughs> was just like. Maybe you remember it a little more intensely than it actually was. I don't think no? so, man. It still has an impression in my brain. All right. so you I see that? I mean, right. I'm just gonna send it to you, and you no, tell I've me. seen it. I've hey, seen the video. Hey, do me a favor. Throw it to Stacy and let me know what she says. Okay. <laughs> I think we're safe. Well, to hey, say. look, man. All we have to say <laughs> is it's the most viewed customer testimonial That's of all right. time. Okay. That's right. That's really all we have to say there. It was the one that people wanted to see and share. Um, so it was, it was funny because we were, there was, you know, I was working in marketing. I was uh, work, doing all of our training videos. So sometimes people will, some, I don't know where they find these, but like new reps will somehow find their way into like the old, old videos. Like the dark like, web. They're still on Mercury. The dark intro. They're on Mercury? <laughs> yeah. I think are they really? They're still on Mercury. Yeah. yeah. So they'll go through and find the videos and it's like me harnessed in up on a roof in Hawaii, fully installing a are system. so smiley be like. Hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Yeah. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's amazing. Like when you watch those videos, they were like so not well. We didn't have, right. you know, the guys we have now. We didn't have Andrew Young like inventing amazing stuff for us. It was just us and a camera, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think back to those times, and it was. I don't think that we knew that we were a part of what we were a part of. You know, like I think we understood what it had the potential to do and the and the capacity to do, but we didn't know at the time that we were in the midst of the hundred year wave and what it was going to do for all of us. So, well, I remember um, sorry to jump in. No, you're but good. When I moved out to Boston, uh, my biggest concern was because I just rented a home when I moved out there, and I told Chance um, I actually made. And the company would never do this now, but I like made the company sign the lease on my home <laughs> because I wasn't convinced that we were still going to be around in 12 months. Right. 
Yeah, so, go ahead and say they're not going to do that. Yeah, they're never going to do that. <laughs> they again. won't do it. That's but safe. Uh, I mean, this is like but early, early days. Start like I'm like I'm not going out there unless you guys rent a house yeah. for me. So chance is like fine. I'll I'll get it done or whatever. And because I'm like I don't think this is going to be here in a year, you know. Um, and then Taylor would like come out and and they close the door like that's the best you have the no belief guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is all you got. Who Jeff? else do we have for the an interview guy today? who doesn't think we're gonna be here? <laughs> here? <laughs> we had a lot the of no belief guy with the good hair. Hey, man, we had a lot was, of those guys. Uh, scary stuff. So how did you? Because most people know you as the sales leader. So how did you make that transition into um, being on the front lines and being in direct? Yeah. Um, I feel weird asking questions I already know all the answers Yeah, to. Ty knows all the stuff. But hopefully this is helpful because <laughs> yeah. you know, well, there's we a spent lot of, a lot of time shoulder to shoulder, but uh, there's, a lot to, there's a lot of history here, you know? And there's a lot of guys that, um, that started working at, you know, the head, the corporate headquarters yeah. who have transitioned into the field. Right. But, um, but Taylor's probably got the most unique story of those stories. So yeah. I think it's important that people hear about it. Yeah, I... Uh, we had gotten to a point as a company where we'd grown so much and we were, um, we had actually gone public at this point. So, um, Greg Butterfield had come on as our CEO and I knew Greg from the time I was really young and I grew up in the same um, neighborhood as him. So I knew his kids, I was friends with his sons, uh, played football with them and stuff. And, uh, so I'd known Greg for a long time. And we, so he came on and he, he was great. Greg is a great example of being able to tell a story. He's a really good storyteller. And so that's great because when you go public, you need good storytellers to be able to tell your story to Wall Street, you know. He was really good at that. So we went public and, uh, and I realized that my job at the time was business development. So my job was to set up um, other channels that weren't just direct sales because we were at the time 100% direct sales. We didn't have inside sales. We didn't have anything that we have now. We have any dealers or anything like that. So I met with Home Depot at their headquarters a couple times, met with Costco. This was way back in the day. Um, met with DR Horton, um, a, a bunch of the big home builders and um, a few other uh, companies that we don't yet have partnerships with. But this was, this was seven years ago. Um, and we're just now in the last year starting to get partnerships signed. But the problem was I would bring these partnerships to the table and say, hey, here's what it's going to take to get into Costco and Home Depot. And my boss at the time, who was Greg's like best friend, was like, nah, tell him we can do this. And I'm like, well, pretty sure they're not going to go for that, though. <laughs> and... Uh, and we'd go back and they, you know, they're, they're not like, they don't negotiate. Right. Like it's Home they Depot. We needed them more than they needed us. They, like, 100%. So they just were like, cool. Like we'll just go with Solar City. We'll go with Sunrun, which is what they did. So we missed out on like the first part of those things. And we're just now starting to get into those. But what I realized at that time was that the company, the, the priority for the company was the door to door channel. Like that was the focus. And that was like wherever all, so when I'd bring these things to the table, it was like, yeah, that sounds great. And then everyone was like back on like, how do we grow this door-to-door sales channel? Mm. And, and then I, I got to this point where, and a lot of people, I mean, you guys may be able to relate to this, but I got to this point where I felt like, I just felt this like internal discomfort with where I was. And I knew that I needed to make a change. And it didn't make sense because We'd recruited like all of our best friends at corporate, like Nick Hansen, um, the one that's in Riverside. He, Nick and I have been like super close friends for a long time. And he's, he had a really great job at Apple with an executive track there. Um, and we convinced Nick to leave his job there and come to, um, to Vivint Solar. And we recruited a few other guys. And so it was like, we had the CrossFit gym in the first floor. We'd work out there in the mornings together. We'd eat lunch together. We, we all just like, it was awesome. It was really fun. Um, but I was flying. I was traveling a ton. And uh, we had just had our fourth. We just had Watson. And we'd just gone public. And I just had this feeling like I, I need to make a change. And, um, and Chance, Chance had been working with me for a while by then, so he knew me pretty well. And he could kind of sense that in me. And so he talked to Paul 
And Chance had like joked with me before, like, hey, like you should come out and run one of these markets. And I'm like, dude, like, I'm not going to go like knock doors for a living. Like that would be such a step back for me in my career. Like I'm not going to do that. And but then like this time, Paul called me. He's like, hey, dude, Chance like wants to talk to you. And I think you should like really listen to him. So Chance, I flew with Chance out to New York and um, we went to Mike Brand's um, conference. It was New York at the time. He, he had opened that region. And I had met Mike when he was in New Jersey. Do you remember when we flew everyone out to, to uh, San Francisco for that World Series game? So Mike and I ended up somehow sharing like a, sleeping on like a bunk bed in an Airbnb together. And we like talked for hours that night and just like really connected and, um, and I hadn't talked to Mike for a while, but I, I flew out, and that was when he was just a rep. And I flew out, and we went into this ballroom, and it was one of those, that was back when we used to do like the, the formal, um, what do we call them? Banquets. The banquets, yeah, these huge banquets. Everyone would come and like dress to the nines. So I went to this banquet, and Mike stood up, and he had like the attention over 300 people in this room. And his influence was like so clear, you could just see it. And he had built all of that, like he had done that on his own. And I, I looked at that and I was like, this is really cool. Like what a cool thing he's been able to do. And here I am like bringing deals to like the company. They wouldn't even like let me hire more people to like help me go and do this. They just didn't want to put any resources toward that. And I saw that and I was like, man, this is really cool. And then I flew to Nick Hansen's which was Grit at the time in New Jersey. And I saw his um, thing there and it was equally impressive. And I saw his like meet, uh, his meeting before that with all of his, with all of his guys. And then I remembered when I came to your thing in Thousand Oaks and Ty was running Thousand Oaks at the time as the DM with Jason Crown. We were just starting. I mean, we were <clears throat> a, what? Quarter and a half in, mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. But Dave, but Dave was there, right? Dave Matson was there at the time. Yeah, he came in in Q2. Yeah. So this was right at that time. And uh, I was there to, we were doing this huge uh, deal with a, a local college, College of the Canyons, to put solar on there, uh, to do like parking structure solar for them, which we didn't end up doing because we didn't, it wasn't a priority. But we had the, we had the contract if we would have wanted it. But the, uh, I remember sitting in that meeting and it was like, it was like one of the best work things I've ever been to. And it was funny because you guys were debating where to go for yeah, a Yeah, it was a wild night. meeting. In fairness, it was a wild meeting. It was not a conventional meeting. <laughs> yeah, but, Jason yeah. Crown comes in like in a shirt and a tie and he stands up at this podium and he starts debating why they should go see like Tomorrow Edge of Tomorrow. Or or yeah. He, uh, so we do a dude's movie night every, it was one, uh, one night a month. And we go see the movie that your wife would never want to see. You know, like Transporter 2 type yeah. stuff. <laughs> uh, and it turned into this That's thing. A thousand percent a movie. No wife wants to see. <laughs> but it's like, hey, we're here. I'd kind of like to see it. So, uh, I mean, I wouldn't mind. It was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So we were like, debate is sales. Let's shake it up. And so we had Crown and Kevin Radabaugh that were debating what movie. And it's like Kevin Radabaugh had to like be on the side of like... Uh, uh, you can't remember because Crown it was just a, It was him, the Wolverine was movie or something. Yeah, one of yeah, the Wolverine ones. One of those. Mm -hmm. Anyways, but Crown had put flyers all up and like posters and he came in a suit to debate why Tom Cruise was awesome. And that was the meeting that Taylor came to. I so come, it was, it was like, just like so fun, you know? It was yeah. like, it was really fun. And Ty's training, I, I don't remember what it was about, but I just remember like I felt like the fire to like do my job better, you know? And I just, I, I just remember I took that it wasn't that long before I was out doing these um, meetings out there. And then um, after I'd had those experiences, Chance also opened up the, his laptop and showed me like the Excel spreadsheet of how much these guys were making. So I saw like Adam and, and Mark Toon and like all these guys and how much money they were making. And I'm like, that's like, you know, I was paid well at corporate and this was three to four to five times more than what I was making. And I'm like, well, if these guys can do it, then I can do it. Like, they don't have anything that I don't have. And all they did was take a huge risk to go out and do this. And so as we were flying home, or when we, 
before we flew home, I called my wife and I'm like, hey, like, I think we're gonna like move to, to San Diego. And what I told Chance was, hey, if I can do it, I have to, I have to be able to move to San Diego because I knew I wanted to live in San Diego and I, I, I knew I could convince Missy to move to San Diego. And uh, that was like the deal when like Vivint said they want to buy your company when Taylor's like, I want to go to San Diego. And it's like, no. Yeah. Secretly in my head being like, thank goodness. Yeah, San Diego well, was completely Diego, empty. At the time, San Diego was, it was a dog, mess, right? It I was mean, a dog. Because it started out on fire and chance admittedly like stacked that market with like every new guy that was coming over from smart home or whatever yeah mm-hmm. he was like san sending diego. the san diego yeah. i was yeah. so mad by the way <laughs> and listen, by the way paul but you ended up with no, a few of those guys a few troy van bell richard a howell couple. yeah but paul i called paul on it one time and he yeah. admitted it did he, he really was like, i'm like you're purposely sending all these guys yeah. to san diego and he goes yeah, we are. <laughs> and I'm like, sucker. Here's the deal. So, though. The interesting so thing is, like, it's really easy to look at a team that's doing well and saying, like, okay, you've had the success because you're in San Diego or whatever. But when you look at all of the guys that have grown the most in the company, it's because, I mean, <clears throat> think about it. You went to Boston when nobody was there. Dan went to Hawaii when nobody no was, there. was there. Well, when I you came took to Thousand, Thousand Oaks, Oaks, it was a dying. It was, it was dying yeah, on the vine. Yeah, it just got it just got hit same by a missile. Same with San Diego, was dying on the vine. It was same like with South no one, Bay, same no with Riverside. Were, I mean, Dave started Riverside. I could have taken San Diego for a six month period. I could have called Chance at any time and said, "Hey, for sure, I can see San Diego is a dump right now. Like, I want to take it." And he would have been like, "Please and thank you." Right? Yeah. So but the value the value in going to a place because at the time. The managers that were there, no, San Diego South was gone. Mm-hmm. It was gone. And then the ones in the north, there was one or two managers and a handful of reps. And it was so. I mean, in all of San Diego, there was seven people mm-hmm. at the time when Taylor wanted the market. Now, else wanted it. Yeah, now there's 120 people in San Diego. But that's the, that's the important thing is if you want to grow, you have to solve a problem. You have mm-hmm. to make something. You have to go to a place where there isn't something and put something there, and then your value is so tangible. Right? We think about um, think about head coaching jobs in college mm-hmm. football or, or pro football. Head coaches don't take over winning programs. Right. They take over losing programs, mm-hmm. right? And your job is to go in and fix the problem or whatever. So it's like you saw the opportunity to take over a losing team, and you took it. And then, but did you did you understand all of that? Because it was I, mean, I just I wanted to live business, in San Diego, dude. You didn't, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I don't think anyone <laughs> could have known what the issues were going to be. I knew, I knew I wanted to do this. I get these things, and Ty's seen this happen before, but it happened to me on the way here. Actually, it doesn't happen that often, but I get these things that happen to me where they're like surges of energy that come into me, and I can feel this like intense energy and sense of purpose behind what I can see I want to accomplish. And, and so when this happened, it ha- it's happened with everything I've ever done. When this happened, I had this like that same feeling, like this deep surge of energy that was like, that's where we're going. And Missy always has like, has been like, she'll just, she'll just ride, right? But I knew that if we were going to go to you know, El Paso, she wasn't going to want to go there. And so I knew I could convince her to move to San Diego and I wanted to live there. And so, um, so that's where we went. Had I like taken my time and done my research, I would have gone to probably DC because that they had the biggest system sizes and those guys made more money than us. They were able to max out because the back end then was based on kilowatts installed. They were crushing it. They were, they were making so much money and when I went to San Diego and I started to learn all this stuff, I remember um, something happened. There was a spot open in New Jersey. You remember when this happened? Mm-hmm. And I wasn't a director yet, but a spot opened in New Jersey, and I called Jeremy Long, and I asked him for his advice, and he said, he said, you need to stay exactly where you are. That's where the company needs you. And, uh, and that, was, that was great advice. Like, he, he recognized that, and I'm glad I, I listened to him. Um, but an interesting thing that happened is, well, first off, I was already in, but Chance decided that I needed more convincing. So he took me and Missy, Chance and Brooke and Ty and Stacy to Las Vegas on Valentine's weekend. 
and they went ahead and locked me down by taking me to Britney Spears. So Ty and I, <laughs> Ty and I were nice. at Britney. Well, what was that, I or what was the other? That Chance wanted to do that the whole time because he's like, "Hey, want to go to Vegas with the Turnbulls?" And and I was like, "Yeah." And then he said, "I kind of want to see a concert." And I was like, "Yeah, I'm always down for a concert." And he's like, "But there's only two. And it was you, on Valentine's Day in Vegas, you could see Marilyn Manson, yeah, Marilyn Manson. or Britney Spears. <laughs> so in my head, he wanted to see Britney. Like, yeah, I the whole time. You know I didn't check. He I didn't, asked me. No, I this is like reverse engineering your 100%, goal. 100%. He dude. saw the Britney concert, yeah. and then he started like... And I was, I was already in, and I think he knew that. You don't have to like, convince oh. me to go he to a Britney Spears show. Come well, on. I yeah. mean, uh, but the funny thing about that is... Now we're sitting in the Orange County office and also in the crowd that night with Zach That's Evans, right, Zach who Evans. runs this office with John Woodfield. And yeah, it's one of those things, though, you don't tell your friends. It's like, I saw you at a Britney Spears concert, but I also saw you, so you can't tell anyone. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? I'm just we're saying, we have a pretty good That's track record of, of getting leadership. Everyone's nod quiet. of acknowledgement. Everyone's I'm just saying, if you want to recruit good leaders, go to a Britney Spears Britney concert. Spears. Yeah, there. I mean, maybe it would be the same there. Yeah, I don't know. It's right, it the worked. crowd. A hundred percent of the time we've done it, it's worked. <laughs> Can we backtrack? So I want to, before we run out of time, um, we had Paul on a couple months ago. Yeah. And he told uh, he told the story. We kind of glossed through Taylor's, the, the metering stuff. But I've only heard the story from Paul. Like, you know, the, you know the story we're talking about. I've yeah. only heard it from Paul. Mm-hmm. I've never heard it from you and your perspective of this story. It's, it's, Do we have, it's, I mean, are we it's cool what, It's what happened. It's what happened. Paul's, Paul's version Paul's of the event. Paul's version of the story So what the listeners what need to do is they need to pause, go listen to Paul tell the story. Oh, man. And this then is, I need, you, you get a chance to defend yourself. Have you ever had the... So just give us the quick, like the... The elevator version, just so people we had this can hear job, the full version from Paul. I think Paul overestimates the, the worth of the job, but um, it was a it was a contract. I think it was like one point five million dollar contract that we were that we had done the pilot project for. In uh, this was in uh, Pebble Beach, You're California. Uh, we were like twenty two at the time. <laughs> we were really young. And I flew out to meet with these with the guys at the meter shop and ran that project. They knew me, but I remember going there, and they were like, "Every t- this happened, this happened every time, right?" I would show up to these things, and literally in this exact meeting, when I was sitting there to give the presentation, one of the meter guys. I mean, these are the guys that work in the meter shop, mm-hmm. right? And then you're working with like the director of public utilities and stuff like that. They're all in that meeting, so they're dressed in suits and they're sharp. But the meter the meter guys are in like overalls with beards, and you know they're like. And one of the meter guys from the back is like, how old are you? <laughs> Literally said that like as I was doing my presentation. And uh, we, won, we, won the, we won the thing. So we were doing that. We did the pilot. It actually went really well. But the guy that, that ran it, if you guys have ever seen the Lorax, he had this mustache that was like, literally like the Lorax, but it was like misshapen. Like one side was bigger than the other side. And when he talked, it would literally like dance on his face. So as we're, as we're so putting, like watching his Oh dude, we have pictures of us like making fun of him with like the, the willow trees that are up there. They have like this white stuff that grows. We'd pull it off and like put it on there and like unbeknownst to him, like make fun of him and take those pictures. So his name was Ron Skacia and, uh, shout out to Ron, shout out to my this boy, Ron. Second time. Ron. Shout out to my, this podcast might make it back to Ron, you know, who knows, but, uh, but good old Ron, you know, I, we actually had a really good relationship. And so as we're putting together the final proposal, I put the proposal together. I send it to our partners to just say, Hey, take a look at this. It the, the RFP or the proposal itself was, was, um, attached to the email. And in the email, I put our prices assumed this, this. It was like four bullet points. And the fifth bullet point I added for intercompany humor, which was this assumes that Ron Skacia will shave his mustache. And, uh, and then they sent, they sent it back. They said, yeah, it looks great. Send it. And I just sent it. I didn't think about it. I sent it. And then like we were working on other stuff. It's probably like two hours later, all of a sudden, like if you've ever had that dream oh, yeah where like you missed a final at school or whatever, it was just like that. It was that same feeling of like shock to your system, you know? And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, like, <laughs> I, like I, I can't believe this happened. And so I look and I'm like, Paul, I think I like really messed this up. So I sent it to Karen Logan <laughs> who was over that and I, I sent to Karen Logan, I'm like, hey, sorry, like 
we have this intercompany joke about Ron's mustache. We love him. He's great. We have this. Hold and on, she's hold like, hold on, hold on. So you and Paul realize what's happened. Yes. You're by yourselves. Yes. I can like feel like 30% you're, of you're that. You're by yourself right now. now yeah. You guys obviously went back and forth on do we email totally. them? Do we call them? What do we do? Like, what do we do? Yeah. So you guys collectively decided you were going to email her? Yeah. Or, okay. Email Karen. And I'd met Karen. I had a good relationship with Karen. So I email Karen and she emails back and says, no problem. Enjoy the weekend. Never heard back from him again. Ever. You're like, you know, that's just... probably fair. <laughs> we did. It was one of those things where it's like, you know, I'm not even really going to follow back up because like <laughs> if they didn't even contact us to let us know, like something happened, like they just didn't accept that. Do you have anything so, you'd like to say to Ron? On electric, um, on you know people? what? Ron, Ron's my boy. I, I I think he probably learned a good life lesson from that as well. We both learned. Life, that's not an apology. Well, I'm, I don't apologize for okay. it, man. Yeah, I'm not going to apologize. Like it... Uh, I don't know Paul and apology either. Like this was this was part of us learning. I've never sent an email. It's never happened again since that time. Yeah, I think it's I made I us both sensitive. Before, but there's this hip hop guy I listened to named Sage Francis, and uh, he has this line in a song that says, "In the end, I know I pushed you away, but I still don't feel like it was wrong, so I don't know what to say." <laughs> this is <laughs> this like is that. your this is your thing. You Just know? like yeah. that. Yeah. I've I've been on the wrong end of a few of those where like you forward like I've had I had HR send me something. You had one just the other day that made me cringe. I know. I had a HR. I had HR send me like an email about a rep. And yeah. I just replied back. I'm like, I hit reply all. And I'm like, yes, he is. You know, I just like went off on this mm -hmm. kid, and I just hit send. And then I was like, uh oh. And I hurry and hit my my like send CC. emails. Yeah. My hit my send email. And I expanded who it was to, oh, no. and he was on the email. Oh. And I was like, oh no. That's tell the, the worst. Tell the screenshot one you did the other day. That's way worse. Oh, yeah, the screenshot the one. I'm not going to name any names, but um, a former... This is a lesson in leadership, by the way. <laughs> when things are bad and you only have two bad options. This is just a life bad. lesson. Like, if anyone listening, just don't do this because it's a terrible thing to do. But um, somebody posted on Facebook, and it was a former rep, and I screenshotted it, and I sent it to Chance... And I was like, how ironic is this? I'm like, doesn't do you think he realizes this is what everybody thinks of him? Yeah, the message was about like, hey, you don't respect people that don't lead from the front. Just something like something like along those lines. Yeah. It was yeah, like yeah. whatever. It was like a like a very like outward, like, you know, you need to do this, this, this if you're a leader and you know, value or value research, yeah. just like whatever. So I sent it a chance and um and I'm in line at Chipotle. Just, you know, about <laughs> you never dude. You never forget where you were. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When this stuff happens. Oh yeah. No, I you can was, still smell the. Chipotle. I had just told her medium salsa and sour cream. <laughs> like amazing. yeah, medium salsa sour cream. And oh, crap. don't double clank my spoon with the guac. Just yeah. Scoop it. Put it on my bowl. You know what I mean? <laughs> I hate that when they double clank it. And like yeah. Knock a little bit off clink. the edges. Yeah. Like just give me all the. Yeah. Put it on know. there. So anyway. Um, I sit down and I'm like in my happy place and I put my phone on the table. I'm about to like dig into my burrito bowl and then I open my text messages and I'm like <clears throat> getting choked up. No, I open my text messages and I'm like, why did I, I'm like, why did I text him? And, um, I'm like, that's weird. And I was like, Oh no. <laughs> and instead of sending that message to chance, I'd sent it to the yeah, kid his his who had posted yeah, so to the kid it. who had posted it. <laughs> yeah. So then I was like, oh man. So I immediately called Mark Toon because I know I just had a feeling Mark's well versed in this kind of yeah, thing, yeah. you know. <laughs> so, like just sending these. Sure enough, he was like, oh yeah, been there many times. Here's the protocol. He's like, here's exactly what you're gonna do. <laughs> I used and, to do this. Uh, this works amazing. better. So uh, we just waited, and sure enough, a few minutes later, I got a text that was, he was not too happy. He mm. said a couple swears to me. Yeah, sure, of course. Um, but, but your uh, response was great, dude, because I just owned like, it. Yeah, it's like, listen, that wasn't supposed to go to you, but... It is what it is. It's, it's not, not untrue. For sure wasn't supposed to go to yeah. you, but it is what it is, dude, man. Dude, so. when you make mistakes, you have to own them immediately, right? I think that's another lesson of leadership or life, like... If you make a mistake and then you decide to try to like excuse it away or like try to create a story that fits like making you look better, 
it never works. Like the best way to do it is just own it and people will always respect you for that. Well, the other, the other part about that is um, I saw this thing the other day and it said, if you apologize, also don't include any thing about their behavior that made you yeah. do any of it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like just own the mistake. Yeah. No justification. And don't justify it in any way, mm -hmm. shape or form. Yeah. And you don't say, you know, the way you were, you know, the way you were doing this, that, whatever, put me in a spot where I was feeling defensive or just mm -hmm. own the mistake. That's it. Yeah. Right. Dude, I think it's Henry Ford. This is never complain, never explain. Mm -hmm. Just like, I'm really sorry. That was wrong. I shouldn't have done it. Yeah. Just own yeah. it well, and move on. Because it's genuine. And when you're genuine, you're going to bring out genuineness in the other person right or you're going to invite that out at we least. studied this in a marketing class because i was in marketing classes when lance armstrong thing was going down yeah and uh there was another example i want to say it was tiger but that was later uh, they compared um oh maybe it was tylenol when tylenol had all that uh One of the all that like mm -hmm. anthrax stuff or whatever in their mm -hmm. capsules or whatever yeah, and they did but they had said um here's how to do it right tylenol here's how to do it wrong and they said that People are pretty forgiving if you own it, mm -hmm. but Lance Armstrong's biggest problem is he denied it, denied it, denied it, denied yeah. it, shot bullets at everybody else, and then mm -hmm. was like, okay, I did it. Yeah. Had he been like, listen. I mean, he ruined like And it's crazy too because it's like- cyclist careers well, over it. And cycling, I mean, going up a hill on a road bike sucks. Like that feeling in your thighs, whether you're doping or not, I've never doped, but I would assume still sucks. Mm -hmm. But it's funny how quickly we, as non-cyclists, will say, ah, well, seven Tour de France is like, that's like, you discredit every single thing Everything. ever totally. because of that one thing. Right? It's, it's like, not, as if you could have done it. If it's you not less impressive. What right. he did. It's really not. It's not less impressive. But it's cool because he, because of the way he handled it, he didn't really have a chance for like a redemption story, right? But Tiger Woods, on the other hand, like when he had his stuff come out publicly, for him, he just, he owned it. He completely owned everything. His life totally fell apart like he was at the top of the world his life completely fell apart but he owned everything so like the reaction when he won the, the masters, masters last year incredible every human on earth was stoked for him right and that was it was a cool feeling to uh to see that because of the way that he had handled things you know i was watching this thing about winston churchill the other day and i think we all know winston churchill is like he's he, he's like one of those great leaders in history that is iconic, right? Like he's an iconic leader. But he, I was watching this thing. He was in politics since he was like 32 years old. And he failed like publicly humiliated so many times where he failed on a huge level and was like fired several times. One time he took a 10-year break because he was like broken from it. But he continued to come back and ended up, you know, like when the country needed him, he had, he had like learned the things he needed to learn from his failure and he was where they needed him to be for, for him to be like so, um, you know, w w he was able to turn the tide um, in, the, in that war and become an iconic leader. And so you can fail, you can fail, you can fail, but it's really, life will always give you the lessons you need to learn at that time in your life. And until you learn those lessons, you'll live in cycles. And I truly believe that. Like you will live your life in cycles until you learn what life's trying to teach you. And it won't go away until you've learned it. And I think that's something that we all need to learn both as leaders, but also just in our personal lives um, to be able to learn from those failures that we have or the ways that we let people down or whatever. Well, and maybe... Um we're about out of time, but the Winston Churchill thing reminds me of, you have a quote by him that you shared with the group about being tapped on the shoulder. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Maybe um, talk about that and why that was so impactful, because I think that summarizes, you, you know, you talked about a surge of energy to do a thing. You talked about, um, you know, the timing in the right moment. I know I felt that, like when I was in a different career, I felt like the draw to this, and I think that quote and the way you articulated it to your group was really impactful. Yeah, and that was that was a while back, but um, I got that quote. <clears throat> Taylor Judd actually shared it with me, and uh, and it was something to the effect of. Um, it's a long quote. It's a long quote. It's more of a paragraph. <laughs> it was pretty long, <laughs> but the the quote 
um, the quote basically <laughs> is, is about that when life taps you on the shoulder, you want to be able to, um, you want to be able to, to make sure that you don't miss out on the opportunity that's, that's like prepared you perfectly for that moment in time. And it, Ty says this all the time and it's a real thing, but if you want to grow both in life and also in your career, then you have to make yourself the clear choice because you never know what's, what's going to happen. And I believe, and you guys have seen this before, but we've won the bigs now four years in a row. And every time we've won it, we've had clear intentions. So when we first started this bigs this last time, we had clear intentions of what we wanted to do. One of the goals we wanted to break was 100 welcome calls in a day, which had never happened before. The bigs before that was 100 welcome calls in a week, and we broke that record. And then we did over 100. We did like 130-something in, in that, that one Saturday. And those things come from those like surges of energy that I, that I get. Um, when I get those, I align myself with them, and I do whatever it takes to like push that forward. So the other example of that would be like the 500 reps in Southern California. I was driving from um, Bakersfield to the Apple Valley office. And I had one of those things happen where it was just like 500 reps in Southern California. And I called you and I was like, I might've called Dave actually. And then you and said, Hey, we're going to have 500 reps in Southern California. At the time we had like 130 something. And I'm like, we're going to have 500 reps. And that became our thing. It was like hashtag 500. And now how many do we have in Southern California? Well, there's 1,040 on the West Coast. So it's more than that. It's more than 500. Yeah, I think it's like close to 700 almost now. And, uh, and at the time, it was like one of those things that's like, you're crazy. But it was the same thing I told my office when, we first, when I first came down. And there were four of us. One being Mark Smith. So shout out to my boy, the OG, he's Mark Smith, man. The deep-rooted. He's deep-rooted. He's deep-rooted been there with constant. me from the beginning, man. He's the OG. Um, but uh, I told him we're going to be the number one installing office in the company. And that was back when, like, DC North was doing, I don't even remember, like, four or 500 installs a quarter consistently. And, uh, and we have been. The last three years, we've been the number one installing office in the company year, year by year. And it was funny because when we when I first expressed it, they were like looking around the room like, like wasn't a very big room. This like <laughs> this like five of us like we're gonna be number one, right? I think you have to set those types of goals, and then like align yourself with them, and then just I like the PJ Fleck thing. If you guys don't know, look it up. Um, Castle Keeler sent it to me, but it's the whole row the boat concept, which is you you put your oars in the water with your back. To the, fu- to the future because you can't control that with your face to the past because that's you can learn from the past but your oars are in the water in the present moment it's the only thing you can control so you keep your oars in the water and you row the boat and if you take your oars out of the water you're going to stop progressing so you just keep your oars there and you continue to row you 20 mile march like we talk about and you're going to get to that peak that you set um, because I, I I think that it's like the, you, you showed me The Alchemist and I read it. And one of the things it talks about is that when you want something, the whole universe conspires to help you achieve that thing. And I've, I've just seen it happen with me personally throughout my career and my life over and over and over again. And that's the biggest thing I, can, I could probably leave with anyone listening to this is you can do much more than you're capable, than you think you're capable of doing. Um, you're in the right place right now. Make yourself the clear choice so that when things happen, because things always happen, you're positioned to be able to grow and achieve the things that you've set for yourself. I think that's great advice, man. And I think it's often hard to, I mean, with back to the future, wait, you're back to the future? Yeah. Not back to the Not future. Not back to the future. You can learn you from that the, too. The shirts we made. <laughs> Um, no, I think that's really important because often people, people think things are going to be the way they are right now. And so they often say, where do I fit? But they're looking at the way things are now. Mm-hmm. They don't understand how different things will look when you uh, produce or when you change the tide or when you 
are the factor that makes the current organization not work anymore. Yeah, yeah. six months from now, when they're... If you have a rep right now who's a consistent starter and you're like, man, if you just took your game to the next level, you could be in the draw. Like, you have all the intangibles, but you've got to get your production higher. And if they would just crush it for the next two quarters, six months from now, there might be openings. that like, who knows what's available. You know, but I mean, Taylor, you, you spent six months sick, right? Mm -hmm. Or four months or however long it was. You just don't know. You never know. Right? You just don't know what's going to The team could split. You could, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, Anyways, I, I, I think that's a very valuable lesson. Taylor, you're my ride or die, my homie. Thanks for being here. Thanks yeah. for sharing with us. Thanks for being electric, my dude. If you've liked what you've heard and are interested in joining our teams, check us out at viventsolar.com forward slash careers. If you enjoyed the podcast, please go to iTunes and subscribe. Leave us a great review and leave us a five-star rating. Thanks for hanging out with us today. This is Electric People. Take these principles and go be electric.